As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I give out midseason grades, rating whether or not players have met expectations, exceeded expectations, or disappointed at the midway point of the season. One quick note is that this podcast was recorded prior to the game in Utah. That doesn't impact any of the content. In fact, we always intended to release this on Sunday, but every now and then you will hear us say last night's game. And in those instances, we are referring to the Oklahoma City game. Again, that doesn't impact the content at all. I just want to give you the context so that when you hear it, you're not confused. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined by the former number one overall pick in the 2002 NBA draft out of Baruch College, George Santos. How you doing, George? <laughs> wow, I didn't, I, I didn't realize we were getting the Santos jokes. Uh, Sorry, I was. Um, so Rich is, is on the road right now, and because of that he was running about ten minutes behind. And I was reading what has to be like about my 16th or so New York Times feature. I've read on Santos. What a crazy, crazy. Just, Absolutely crazy story. The only thing in this world more fraudulent than the Sixers' top five defense. Ooh. But I'm... Um, and, and with that transition out of the way, we will do mid-season player grades. Just as a disclaimer, uh, and, you know, we've been doing this for a long time now, but for anyone who is a new listener, we mostly base our grades off of expectations, and that will be modified slightly based off of where a player is in their career. At least for me, it is. For example, an older player maintaining productivity is a higher grade than a younger player who stayed level because even if maybe you weren't expecting that player to take a leap, there's still some lost opportunity there and them not doing so. So it's disappointing. Uh, this is mostly subjective. You could mostly break it down as B's and A's mean they exceeded expectations. D's and F's means they didn't. And C's are sort of like somewhere right in the middle. All right. So let's start off with Jaden Springer. <laughs> No, it's just as every don't turn off the podcast. Hey, everyone. did you see his fourth quarter against Detroit? A <laughs> 10 points. That's true. Career high 10 points. Good for him. He's just been recalled. <laughs> he did. He has been recalled. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. I wonder. I wonder if they'll keep him out there for the whole road trip now. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see. Uh, all right. So we will start this off earnestly with Joel Embiid. 
33.5 points, 9.9 rebounds, 4.4 assists, 1.1 steals, 1.7 blocks per game, shooting 53.6% from the field. Sixers offense is 4.3 points per 100 possessions better with him on the floor, and their defense is 7.6 possessions better. I said B+. plus. What about you? Yeah, that feels about fair. Um, you know, I think it would be... I think there's two things. One, his his defense has been a little inconsistent. And two, his start to the season, he was just not ready to start the season. So I think B-plus is fair. I might be tempted to go A-minus just because, I mean, he's having a pretty much historic offensive season. I certainly could not go A without the or with the slow start and with the defense being inconsistent. But I could I could be talked into an I'll 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 start off being a little optimistic because I might be pessimistic at various other points in this podcast. I will go with an A minus on Joe. Yeah, I mean my expectations for him are super high. I guess is my point. Yeah, like so no, you know he can be an MVP candidate, and I can still be like yeah B plus. Yeah, uh, but I th- you know I think the reason why I was probably thinking A minus is because you've been an MVP runner up two years running, and you got better. That's just yeah. not you know that's not always something you do. No, and, and the fact that he continues to get better offensively is just like it's remarkable. It's I wild. mean, you know what? I'm I'm looking at his true shooting right now. I'm, I'm sorry, a minus. I six forty two is just uh, that's ridiculous. Uh, <sighs> Especially because he's not even shooting a three ball right now. No, he's shooting thirty three point seven percent from three. No, and you know, I, I get that he's turned it over a little bit more than. He has in past years, although that's starting to come down. You know, again, career high in assists, too. Like, I think he's you, – you even see it in last night's game against Oklahoma City where I think he screwed up one time, but they, they just – people double him, and, and he just yeah. gets them good shots. Like, whether it's his assist – and that's the thing. The assist percentage does not count for, like, when he pings it across to somebody and it's another pass or two that gets the wide-open shot, but – I don't know. When he gets doubled, it's like I feel very confident this team is going to get a good shot yeah. Yep. right now. And I think just for him to scale up and be, you know, like that elite level of like offensive fulcrum, like it's it's different from being a scorer and then being kind of the, the chess master, the guy who's quarterbacking the gym, who's, you know, moving all the pieces around. And he's gotten so much better at that stuff. And, yeah, the highs have been crazy, like the Jazz game – one of the best performances I've ever seen. You know, has he? He's missed a couple weeks with the the foot injury. I, I didn't know how much to ding him for that. Maybe I dinged him at a half letter grade for that. I don't know. Whatever. But and you mentioned the defense. It it doesn't feel like it's been as good, but it's still more impact. Yeah. Like he's still making more of an impact on that end from an uh, from an on off standpoint. Uh, they they certainly just need him to kind of just stand in the middle there. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, look, another, another great season for him. And even if I were to give, you know, I, I'll go a minus, but even B plus, like B plus for Joel Embiid is like super yeah. impactful basketball. Yeah. Yep. Hard to get too much argument from me there. All right, let's go on to his running mate, which could end up being one of the more interesting ones here. James Harden, 21.8 points, 11.2 assists, five point or 6.5 rebounds. from the field, 38.2% from three on over seven attempts per game. Uh, And the Sixers offense is 8.3 points per 100 possessions better with him on the floor. And their defense is even. I went with the B. Yeah. 
I think, you know, it, it, it's funny. If you look at the stats, the stats are, in, to me, probably an AA minus. Somewhere in that range. Like, I did not expect him to go into the, you know, three years ago James Harden. I always thought best case was when he first got to Brooklyn. But I, if I was being honest, I didn't really expect him to gain even a step back from, or a step, not a step back, to gain back a step from where he was last year. Maybe a half step because of uh, coming back and having a, a summer to to work on his, his basketball conditioning and whatnot. Maybe he's actually gained that half step. If you squint, maybe a little bit at times, but he's not substantially different athletically from where he was. So I think you could be a little bit disappointed in that. But in terms of what he's done stat wise, I think it's been very good. That being said, the defense is. And you should never have any expectations he's going to commit to defense. You should never, ever, ever. I'm, I'm sort of going against my own grading curve here because there was no person in this world who has watched James Harden over the last decade who thought maybe he'll come in with a, you know, reinvigorated to play defense. That's just not who he is. You just have to watch it every night, though. It's the problem. Yeah, that could be it. That could be it. But they really do need him to, to really commit to defense if they want to have a chance to really win in the playoffs. Like, that is a massive liability. And that's going to, if I was, if I could give him an A minus based on expectations, just based off on his offensive stats, I've talked myself out of that. And I might even go B minus right now, just because the transition defense is so bad. The perimeter defense, the closeouts, it just freaking drives me insane so much. And you're probably right. Because like I said, there's no reasonable person that's going to have expectations for him to play defense. So that wasn't on my bingo card coming in. But it's just I have to watch it every night now, and it just drives me up a wall. Yeah, look, and he's the the biggest culprit. Their transition defense was a nightmare through like seven games of the season. It's a decent chunk of this, uh, and he was probably the biggest culprit. I like you watch a game like Oklahoma City. He just it's not just that like you're bad at defense; it's that you're not trying. It's like the care. ones. Yeah, he gives up like. Four to six points a game where he's just lazy, just like on a switch. You know, somebody runs a, a ghost screen or a step up screen and he just like doesn't communicate with the guy and somebody goes right by him. Like I can live with, okay, like him trying to move his feet side to side. He's got to like play with like 90s rules and hope the refs aren't calling him with the hand checking and stuff like that. Yeah. I understand that part. It's just the lazy ones. It's like, if he could cut out those, you know, four or five possessions a game, that makes a world of difference. And I guess the hope would be, you know, in the playoffs, he'll, he'll do that. I would imagine he might cut out like two of those possessions a game yeah. in the playoffs, not all of them, because he kind of is what he is at this point. But yeah, that's, I, I guess that's my ultimate calculus is that offensively, even though he did not regain really any of a step at all, um, you look at his finishing numbers, they're. He's not getting there as much yeah. anymore. He's not uh, doing as much. That said, like, he's been really good. I think we mentioned before the year we expected him to probably lead the league in assists. I think he would be doing that right now if he had qualified for enough. Um, I know he's kind of right up there with Halliburton. Uh, he kind of has these monster games. Uh, and, frank, frankly, there are moments where he is just still a dominant offensive player, especially if he hits a couple of those step backs, which he's making at a decent clip this year. He's also shooting – 
a little more off the catch, which is good to see. Yep. Um, he's starting to shoot even a couple more of those. I'd say over the past 10 to 15 games, like they're not just off offensive rebounds, which is what he used to shoot them off. Like he, he would only take catch and shoots when somebody would kick it out after an offensive rebound. Now he's starting to take some when Joel swings it to him on the, uh, on the wing, which is good to see. So I, I, I have the same calculus as you. And, you know, I think he can kind of be the scapegoat when they are frustrating and they are lethargic because let's be real. He can have a little bit of a lethargic style. He's a, he's a genius player, but he's not a high energy player at all times. Um, but I ultimately went with B for those reasons, because I think yeah. the stats are really good. Really, really you're good. Pr- you're probably season. right. A, a B is probably more fair. It might, I might've dropped that B to B minus just because of last night's game. That might be what's <laughs> going on here, which is not fair. Uh, but we, we are humans as well. I have one other one other key too. They are they're plus two with uh with him on the floor and Embiid off the floor, and that's like eight hundred possessions at this point. It's, big. it's a big part of it, and that's he deserves a big part some of why they're twenty five and sixteen, even though Joe's missed all this time. Yeah, hundred percent. He he look uh, okay. Okay, we we can talk about the defense all we want. He has been good this year. Do I have my concerns about it translating the playoffs? Yes, of course. But in terms of what's happened here in a regular season, especially when you factor in the fact that. You know, the, the free throws that he used to rely on, he's not getting there nearly as much. His transformation as an offensive player and the passing, look, as much as the defense frustrates me to watch, the passing I love to watch. I love how he sees the game. Um, he gets a lot of really good looks. I think him and, and Harold, we've started to see a lot more of that like we expected. They have been more competitive with being on, on the bench. He's a really good fit next to Melton when, when Maxie's been out. Um, all that stuff. I, you have to give him some credit for that, for sure. For mm-hmm. sure. For sure. A, a B is probably more fair. It's just they played the Thunder last night, and my mind's still there. <laughs> okay. Let's move on. Uh, all right. So I guess we'll just go right down to uh, we'll go down, right down to Tyrese Maxey. 21 points, 4.1 assists, 3 rebounds, 45.7% from the field, 39.1% from 3-point range on 6.3 attempts. Per game, uh, the Sixers are Sixers offense is 1.8 points per 100 better with him on the floor, and their defense is uh, 0.06 better with him on the floor. It, I'm waffling between B and B minus. I think I'm going to settle on B minus though. Um, yeah. And look, you know, I think that's partially because you expect him in his third year to make a big jump, and he's. He he hasn't made a huge jump, but he's also been hurt. I, I think we can understand that and still feel pretty good. Uh, you know, obviously his defense hasn't gotten much better. It's it's weird that right now, coming off this injury, I, I think he looks really good physically over the past week. Like, he's getting a bunch of N1s in transition. He's driving. He just can't shoot straight right now. Like, his yeah. rhythm on his jumpers, like, you're like, man, that has no chance of going in uh, right now. Um, yeah, I, I think, like... Maybe we had too high of expectations for him, really everybody, you know, when they were talked up as championship contenders coming into the season. It was like, you know, Maxi turning into, you know, like a top 25 player or something like that. And that's probably too high of an expectation for him. Um, but yeah, like I, you know, he's his scoring's up a little bit. He's, uh, I, I still wish he would shoot more threes. Uh, I kind of wish, now maybe this is a little bit of a hard problem. I wish they... They found a way to utilize him better. Like it feels like he ebbs and flows, kind of his his monster yeah. games and his uh, his nothing games. So it's I, I you know I, I kind of struggle to 
put into words what I feel about Tyrese. Just just feels like could have been a little bit better to this point. I, I yeah. guess is my point. No, I think I think B minus is is fair. Uh, to your point, he's he's shooting thirty percent from three point range since coming back uh, on December thirtieth, and in even half of those makes came in one single game against the Chicago Bulls. Five of his ten made uh, made made three pointers came in that one game when he shot five for seven. So yeah, he is is struggling uh, from three point range since coming back. Um, he had one good game that, that sort of looked like he was back on track. We all celebrated it, and then he has gone, what, three for 17 from deep since. So it'll be great when he gets that shot back. I do agree with you. He's looked pretty good physically since coming back. Certainly looks like himself. You know, outside of that, like, you know, I think the, the jump here to 21 points per game is... You know, it's not a. If he ended the season with these averages, it wouldn't be a a, a failure, which is why he's getting a, a a B minus. It's not the huge jump that I think some thought he could have taken, but I, I did think there was probably a cap on how much he would score this year uh, with Harden, with Harris, with Embiid. Obviously, you know, I wasn't expecting him to turn into a 25, 26, 27 point per game scorer yet. I do think he has that upside. Yeah, he's he's playing well. He hasn't completely blown your socks off, though. I think that's fair. Yeah, and and look, I mean, I think C is about average. So, yeah, maybe that's B, what the grade B minus where... is a decent enough. You know, he he took a step, just not maybe the step a lot of people were wanting. And and I think for him, that comes off, you know, from us like as more disappointing, because last year he took an insane step. Like he got right. an A plus last year. That was right. wild. How much better he got. And really, like, do you actually know your grades? Do you have your grades like written no, down somewhere? No. But I, ass- I assume that's what it was. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I should, but, I should keep them. That would probably be smart of me, but no, no. And since you can never listen to a podcast back, uh, we would never, never be able to go find those. Shame, mm-hmm. shame. All right, let's uh, let's move on to. But but you're right because of the the leap he took in year two. I think some people. Probably had too high of expectations for year three. Uh, progress is not always linear, as someone once said. All right, so we have Tobias Harris here up next. We're just pretty much going right down the uh, most used players. Harris is up to 16.3 points, 6.3 rebounds, 2.6 assists, shooting 49.5% from the field, 38.1% on 5.1 three-point attempts per game. The Sixers are 3.6 points per 100 better on offense when he's on the floor and 0.3 uh, worse when he's on the floor on defense. He, or, he, I'm sorry, 0.3 better when he's on the floor. Sorry, I misread that. I have him in the same thing as Maxi, where I'm, I'm struggling between B- and B. Um, I think the sentimental part of me wants to give Tobias a B just because I I don't know. I'm a sucker for the for the guy who... I guess gets the demotion and handles it pretty well. Yeah, and um, he's handled it fantastically, absolutely. And I think great he deserves guy. a lot of credit. <laughs> great guy. Make sure to <laughs> make sure. To I mean, put he, that he in legitimately there. is a really he good is guy. an unbelievable guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's hard, right? Because like he's he's a fourth option, um, but you know, like I think. Re- the re- some of the rebounding issues are, are pretty frustrating, as you've pointed some out. Some of the defensive, the defense issues, too. Like, he can be a complete space cadet on defense at times. 
he's uh he's shooting more threes this year, although he's definitely cooled off over the yep. past, you know, three or four weeks here. Um but like look, there was there was a time when the Sixers were shorthanded when he was really freaking good for them. And, you know, I think he he probably had his month-long span where, like, he contributed to the 25-16 and 16 record, too. Like, he was um, – I don't know. I, I think – you know what? I'm going to go B. I, I really liked how Tobias, who has played more than a lot of their, their top guys as well, uh, basically, like, that week or so when all of them were down – and even when James came back and Joel came back, like he was like, "All right, I'll score, I'll, I'll score, and I'll, you can run some post ups through me, and I'll be a good soldier, and I'll be happy about that." And then he went right back to uh, to firing three. So it's kind of like um, as we move down this list, the James Harden B is more important than the Tobias Harris B because he just means more to the team. Like he just he factors more, um, like he affects the offense sure. more yep. from what he does. Uh, but I'm going to give Tobias a B. I, I think, like, uh, from what my expectations were going into the season, like, I didn't know if he could handle this role. And obviously, he's still not a perfect fit. But uh, I think overall, I think he's roughly done his job. So, B. Yeah. I'll go B-. minus. I think uh, I, I, I think I was... Honestly, if you would, if you would ask me this three weeks ago, I would have said A. Like, pre-Christmas, I probably would have said A. Again, which doesn't mean that Tobias Harris is an A player, it means he has far exceeded what my expectations were. Over the last 10 games, though, he is shooting 24.4% from three. Yeah, Threes are only taking up a third of his shots, whereas earlier in the year they were about half. Yeah. He's only attempting 4.1 per game over that span. It definitely looks like uh, 4.1 per game in, in 34 minutes. It definitely looks like he is second-guessing some, where he was second-guessing almost none to start the season. And look, Tobias has limitations that are always going to be there. Uh, perimeter defense, transition defense. He's a he's a he's a part of the a significant part of their struggles in transition. Like I said, he can be a, a, a space cadet, and it's not effort. Like he's giving effort, but he will lose his man. He will lose guys streaking down that will run behind him. He just won't see. He will do closeouts uh, against Jalen Williams. Forget which mm-hmm. one it was. Um, that are just confounding. He will have those moments on defense, and you combine that. With now a little more hesitant of a three-point shooter. And I do think I have to, you know, take a little bit of a mark off of that. They need him to be that high-volume, accurate catch-and-shoot shooter. And look, shooters will go through slumps. I don't really care that he's shooting 24.4% over the last 10 games, or last, you know, three or four weeks or so. I do care that it seems like it's starting to get into his head a little bit. That's the one thing they need him to keep doing. And he hasn't completely stopped shooting him. It's not like this is a Jimmy Butler situation here. But I I, I would like a little more volume than he's had of late. Because he does have those other... Sorry. Yeah. Because he does have those uh, other deficiencies in his game that make him an awkward fit here as a fourth option. That being said, again, not giving him bad grade. It's just the last couple of weeks do influence it a little bit for me. B minus, he has accepted his role really well. I give him a lot of credit for that. That's really tough for people to do, especially for a player now who is, uh, you know, a year and a half away from being a free agent. Like, you want to be able to showcase yourself. He has not once even remotely complained. He has accepted his role. When you need more out of him for on offense, he has stepped up. When you need him to be a, uh, you know, a, a lower option on offense, he has willingly done that. A lot of credit. Great dude. Let it fly. That's it. That's it. I'm not expecting you to become, you know, Bruce 
Bowen overnight. Just let it fly. That's all I want. That's all I want. I mean, let's be real. He he is Bruce Bowen. Bruce Bowen would, would only dream of this volume from three-point range. <laughs> Bruce Bowen made like one three a game from the corner, and, and everybody's like, man, <laughs> what, a, what a corner three-point shooter he was. Yeah. Oh, my God. One three per game. <laughs> the game has slightly changed. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I get what you mean. I, I agree. I, I'm a, I'm a I was not comparing him to, on that court. Yeah, I'm a softie when it comes to Tobias. I just – He's fantastic. He's I, fantastic. I, I enjoy him as a dude. I enjoy him um, – I think he's done a decent job in his role, but you're right. The last month has been rougher. Yeah, and he was he, he was real good to start the season. Real good in the role they needed him to be, for sure, for sure. A lot okay. of credit. That's enough. We, we're good on Tobias. He, uh, by the way, they they just said uh, that was pretty scary when he went down in the yeah. No, he OKC went down game. hard. And... Good to see him bounce back. He is. And listed he came as... back in like five minutes. Yeah. Every time listed... somebody goes to the locker room and looks like they died. It seems like they come back in a couple minutes. They're, yeah, the Sixers. I you know, not, knock on wood. I don't want to jinx it, but that the, the going back to the locker room with like a really scary injury has not been yeah. terrible for no. them so far this year. I guess Maxie's really the only one that has uh, really shot him in the foot. And he, I mean, like, did you really just say shot him in the foot when he broke his foot? Yeah, is that uh, intentional? No. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, PJ, I can go over the stats. I, PJ's not a stats Wait. player. So I was getting a kick last night. I was watching, you know, as we, we sit in the the media room, they have the, the pregame show on. And, you know, they'll show the Sixers starting lineup. And underneath all of the players are the points, like, or whatever. So it okay. goes. I, th- I thought you were going to go to the Twitter handles. No. Because he doesn't have PJ, Twitter. Well, that's a step up in my book. <laughs> yeah, true. Anti-social media. Um so they show Maxi, 21 points per game, Harden, like 20, whatever it is. Tobias, 16. PJ, PJ three. three. <laughs> Joel, 34. Like, which one stands out there? I was wondering, like, would it be more embarrassing if they just put, like, his minutes per game there, like, or whatever? Like, or if they, like, change the stat up? I, I don't know. Like, deflections or whatever. It's a... Yeah. Uh, screen assists. He can be our screen assist guy. It, it certainly stands out. Um, so where to rank PJ? Um, All right. Hold on, well, hold on. We read everyone else's stats. We're going to do his too. Okay. 3.3 points, 4.3 rebounds, 0.8 assists, 0.6 steals, shooting 40.2% from the field, 37.3% from three, which is fucking amazing. That's just absolutely <laughs> fucking amazing. I, I can't remember the last one. Uh, and the Sixers are 2.8 points per 100 better when he is on the floor. Uh, and they are actually... 1.4 points per possession worse when he is on the floor on defense. So they're better on offense by 2.8, worse on defense by 1.4. Okay, so a cu- couple things here. PJ in the first month of the year I thought was actually pretty good. Yeah, And, and I think he was pretty good, especially when Joel went out. You kind of saw some of the chemistry that he and James had. He was making plays on the short roll. He was doing some positive things, specifically offensively. Um, the last two, three months have been really, really bad. So, you know, I don't know exactly what the, uh, I don't know what, what the final result is here. I'm going to go D. I'm just going to go D. How about that? Okay. I, I I'll think... give him the plus. I'll give, I'll, I will give him the plus just because expectations weren't super high. Like we all knew who he was on offense. I'll give him a D plus. 
Okay. Maybe I'm just in a generous mood. Well, I think so one of the other issues, and maybe this isn't his fault, but another issue is that they suck when he plays center, too. Yeah. Which is not good. Uh, I'm not putting that all on him. That's why when, when you looked at it, and I read those on-offs, and they were better on offense and worse on defense. Yeah, it's because That is center. almost entirely driven by those center minutes, for sure. Ugh. Which is unfortunately... He's, he's averaging 2.4 points and shooting 31.3% from the field over his last 30 games. Yeah, I mean, Simmons-esque minus the assists. Yeah. Yeah, that's in 27 minutes per night. I've never seen anything like that. Legitimately, I don't know if I've... Like, is, is, is that Roberson levels? What did Roberson used to average? Dude, if you look at... I'm I'm gonna look up. StatMuse has an unbelievable stat where they have all the usage rates. I know at one point him and and Matisse were the two lowest. Okay, the lowest usage rate this season, and I don't know how they're qualifying. Okay, they're they're qualifying it as you're you're on pace to play two thousand minutes over an eighty two game season is what is what this is. So I think that's just like you haven't been injured the entire year, like right. playing few few minutes. Um. Okay, so the third third lowest usage rate on that list, Grant Williams, 12% usage. Third lowest of that list. Then there is you Can fall you off that a, like what five? You fall off a cliff and you get the Reggie Bullock, 9.3% usage okay. rate. Grant Williams is like kind of right near a lot of other guys, basically. Reggie Bullock is not close to the rest of these guys. 9.3% usage. PJ's usage is 6.4%. It's another cliff from Reggie Bullock. <laughs> yeah. No, I just looked it up because Roberson, you know, he's sort of like the one you go to who's like the the D only guy. His career average is 7.3 points per 36. Over the last 30 games, PJ isn't even averaging half of that. 3.2 per 36. It is like we talk about, you know, oh, we all knew PJ wasn't brought in to score. Well, like you sort of expected him to come in and score like six or seven points per 36. Like if he was going to play 30 minutes per night, you expected six points out of him per night, just sort of like by accident, one corner three, maybe one offensive rebound, a foul here and there, something like that. Averaging two points over a 30 game stretch. I've never, I've never seen, I've never, uh, never, never. I expected him to make one three per game. I I, I did. And he's not, he's not there. uh, and and by the way, his defense is not as good as it was last year. No, he he had a couple was, good games in November yeah. that you, you thought he did well, but yeah, it's not as good. And to to add to my point about the the center minutes, I mean, they're giving up 124 points per 100 when he's playing center. It's like yeah. wild. Now look, I think some of that is you play him with Maxi and Harden, and it's like okay, that might just be untenable for everybody. That's not like. Jaron Jackson Jr. or somebody like that, or Joel Embiid, you know. That said, though, like, he just yeah. – and also, I, I think the offense has gotten progressively worse to the point where I'm now worried, like, is this in his head? Will, will he it ever snap be. out of this? It, it, there has to be some confidence issue there. There has to be. He's passing really poorly. He just is not, like – the theory of him playing center, they, they've tried it a little bit in recent games. Like – you got to run to the corner. I, I don't understand what they're doing. Like if he sets a screen for Harden, just double Harden. Like I, yeah. he's not going to make a four on three pass in time. He should in past years. He would, 
But right now he's not. So that's why he's getting a D for me. It's just the the past couple months have just been so viscerally bad. And I, I will still hold out hope that he will figure some shit out and at least be, you know, ready to go to war in the playoffs, even if he's not the PJ Tucker of past years. But man, it's it's a rough watch right now. There's no there's no getting around it. I mean they they need him. They need him for the playoffs. Absolutely. I don't know how much longer do you think there's any chance Doc replaces him in the starting lineup? Like Doc seems like he's gung ho for PJ Tucker right now. Yeah, on on the one hand, yeah, but on the other hand, he he's not afraid. He's like, look, th- there are a lot of nights where he's like, okay, Melton's gonna play in the fourth quarter. Oh yeah, he, he, the closing lineup, he will definitely. Yeah. Well, for sure. I mean that for sure. That strikes me as like what he actually thinks, and yeah, um, but you you are also like your starting lineup's always gonna have the most minutes. It would be nice if they functioned well together. I'm not sure what lineups PJ really does function well with right now. I don't know either. Okay, let's stop depressing people. That was that was a tough one. The next one well, will be better. Do you want? I was gonna ask if you just want to get the other depressing one out right now, or I guess we'll. No, let's let's work later. the way, work the way down in terms of minutes and all right, usage. All right. Uh, well, the next one in terms of minutes per game is actually. Oh no, it's it's Melton. Uh, all right, so DeAnthony Melton here. We are at 11.6 points, 4.7 rebounds, 2.9 assists, 1.9 steals, shooting 42.6% from the field and 39.7% from three on six attempts per game. The Sixers are... I, why am I not finding his name? Hold on. There we go. The Sixers are 0.1 points per 100 possessions worse on offense when he's on the floor. And four points per 100 better on... Or no, they're uh, four points per 100 worse on defense when he's on the floor. Uh, so the on-off numbers, not really buying those, but we, I guess we'll get into that. Yeah, I'm not buying them either because he's getting my second highest grade. He's getting a B plus. Um, and I think part of the reason he's getting a D plus, or B plus is that he had a, like, a nagging back injury for a lot yeah. of this that was like yeah. not fun to play for. Should probably check back in with him, see how he's doing. It seems like he's... He's playing consistent minutes. Uh, I wonder if I'm giving him too high a grade because he's just a competent two-way player, and we don't get too many of those. No, you know, it's like no, it's like don't. a sight to behold. Like, okay, this guy is a threat on both sides of the court. He most dribbles, nights. he shoots, and he tries on defense. Oh my god, I didn't know they existed. I just, I, I really kind of just dig the the Melton experience too. And look, there are there are issues like. He tried a, a reverse layup last night, and he missed. Yeah. He missed the entire square yeah. on that one, and that's just like, look, that's part of the experience. And there, you know, there have probably been five or six nights where it's just like, oh man, he's going to shoot fourteen or fifteen times a night, and he's just guessing. Like he, this is not even going anywhere near the basket. But like you read the numbers, like you know, he's he's shooting to the back of the baseball card. He's uh, he's definitely getting steals and rebounds and. Every Mister Do Everything, or Mister Do Something, you know, yeah. he's providing all of that. Uh, the athleticism is so so necessary on this team. Yep. It's, I really think uh, I'm very impressed with him when Joel swings the ball or Harden swings the ball to him, them, or to him, and gives him an advantage where he can, you know, he can make the four on three pass or he can attack a closeout or do whatever. He makes opposing defenses pay a decent amount of time when uh, when they do that. That's good to see. It feels like, to me, he can function in a closing lineup 
uh, pretty easily. I am uh, I'm a fan. Like just even the game against uh, I guess that was the Indiana game where he just comes down with the massive offensive rebound and then hits the three. I just feel like you want him out there at the end of games. Uh, I knew he was good. I didn't quite know he was this good though, yeah. and so I'm, I'm gonna give him a B plus. No, I you asked am I grading him too high just because he's competent on both ends? I had him at an A minus. Like I even went a little bit higher just because like this is a guy who, again, I think we all had pretty high expectations, and he's come in and just exceeded them and pretty clearly exceeded them. I don't know if anyone could really make an objection to, to us saying that. It would be very tough to do so. If you're going to nitpick, really the only thing you would nitpick on defense is getting around screens. You could do that a little bit better. Outside of that, he's a versatile defender. He's an incredible off-ball defender, a very competent, a very good on-ball defender, depending on the matchup. Uh, he makes his catch-and-shoot threes. He has just enough off the dribble. He can handle the ball in a pinch if you need him to. Finishing at the rim, you might want to nitpick, sure. Um, but for what you need him to do and how you need him to play, whether that's off of Joel, whether that's off of Maxi, whether that's off of Harden, he can fill really any of those roles. And that kind of youth, ver- versatility, two-way competence, it is incredibly, incredibly valuable. Like most of the people we complain about are people who are complete liabilities on one on the floor, which, by gosh, Sixers seem to collect like uh, like baseball cards. But he's just playable in almost every lineup next to any combination of stars, and that is so incredibly valuable, especially for a team that, quite frankly, is built a little weird. You've got a post-up center, and then your other guy's a, a defensive sieve who you need to counteract. He's really, really valuable. And going back to that negative four, um, or the, the defense being four points per 100 worse, I would guess that's just because he played so many minutes when Embiid was out of lineup. Um, he, the Sixers relied on him so much during that stretch. He was not out for an injury uh, while, while Embiid was out of lineup that I think that's probably factoring in there as well. Yeah. I, 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 he's the anti thibel and that I am not buying similarly not buying the on off numbers just because his are uh his are bad and I, I don't really care. I, I, I like what that guy has given them. Uh I really like what he gave them during kind of the Shake Milton show too. Like mm-hmm. Milton ramped up his usage and, and played well in those games as well. Uh he's good and frankly like, you know, we talk about PJ and like not knowing what he's going to give you in the playoffs. Like PJ's got to show me something because the Anthony Melton is clearly one of their best five players at this point. So let's see here real quick. Lineups with Melton and Embiid have a plus 4.5 net rating and give up 112.2 points per 100. All right. It's better. I bet, it's that, I bet that gets better. Yeah. Uh, all right. Moving on. I guess we'll just go to Milton, Shake Milton, who is at 10.2 points, three rebounds, 3.5 assists, shooting 50.7% from the field, 36.1% from three. The Sixers are two points per 100 possessions worse when he's on the floor on offense. Again, I think that's probably in large part because of how much they ask him to carry the offense and play when Harden and Embiid and Maxi were all out. And the defense is 0.8 points per 100 better when he is on the floor. So I went B plus here, uh, which is funny because I started the season 
basically calling him out like, are you an NBA player with the way you're, you're going? Like he was really rough as a three and D option. But I, I think this is a mea culpa in some ways and just he needs to have the ball in his hands. He needs to be a consistent part of the rotation. He needs to just be somewhat involved. And yeah. frankly, since, you know, mid-November when he got his shot and he kept the team afloat for like three weeks, which was super impressive. Like I, I do think it's – it. We talk about, you know, the Sixers' weird pieces, all of these things. They have a, a tenth man that literally kept them afloat for three weeks. Not a lot of teams have that. No. He's yeah. he's pretty good in that uh, in that aspect. And and now he's just kind of a, a rotation mainstay where, you know, he gets some of his offense in transition, just kind of driving at guys, spot-up three-point shooter. Uh, I, you know, I kind of wondered, like, coming into the year, like, I thought he should play, but, you know, you looked at all of the potential options that they had and, you know, all the lineups they could have thrown out. It didn't seem like it was a foregone conclusion that he would play. And to start the season, he didn't really play. So, uh, yeah, I, I just think his last probably two months have been really good. So, uh, B+. plus. I'll go B. I think if you just read the stats, those are certainly exceeding expectations coming in. Like you said, you weren't even sure he was going to be in the rotation. Uh, so for him to be playing that well and that much, uh, that is a a good year. You know, if 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 you factor in what he did during those, you know, couple of weeks there without Harden and 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 Maxi, that was really really impressive. And it makes you, on the one hand, interested in what he get, what more he could give you, but also frustrated by how can we get some facsimile of that from him when he's not going to be dominating the ball. Um, he's 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 been good. He's not been nearly as noticeable here since the Sixers guards have come back. You expect that a little bit. Uh, like I said, maybe his role is just to be sort of like, you know, competent guy who can eat some minutes when Harden and Max are there, who can then step up in a pinch. Maybe that's just what he is for this team. Um, but he's done well. I mean, look, he's shooting 50% from the field, and, you know, he's playing well. He's playing well. The three ball... Uh, is is what did he shoot last year? I feel like last year was real low, right? Yep. Last year was thirty two point three percent. So he's he's shooting the ball well. Maybe not quite as well as you would hope. Uh, maybe not quite as well as you expected when he came out of college. But he's shooting the ball well. It's been a weapon for him. Um, yeah, he's played well. I'll go I, I, I guess I just really value those three weeks because they they could have went off the rails there. They they, they really could be a five hundred yeah, team right now. And he was you're probably right. A major part in stepping up. Probably right. Um, yeah. Certainly, if, if if we were giving out this grade a couple of weeks ago, or a, however long ago it was, the grade would probably be much higher. Yeah. That was at the front of our minds. Uh, all right, George. Uh, 9.4 points, 2.4 rebounds. That's real low. Come on, George. 44.8% from the field, 41.6% from three on 5.6 <laughs> attempts. Threes make up over two-thirds of his shots. These Sixers are... Where's George? Hey, George. Uh, the Sixers are 1.7 points per 100 worse when he's on the floor on offense, and they are 3.4 points per 100 better on defense when he is on the floor. I would guess a lot of that is because he's tied to Joel Embiid on those yep. backup units. Not always. It was Trez minutes. A yeah. lot. Uh, so I'm going to give George a B plus just because I, I really view him in such a narrow role when we talk about you know, impact and like, yeah. you know, Harden's B plus or B or B is 
ends up factoring into the team a lot more. George is on the team to make threes, and he's he's scoring at the highest rate of his career. He's making his 40%. He's had a couple games where he's freaking bailed their ass out just by by making threes. Um, it's gone a little bit cold over the past couple of weeks. You, you mentioned his rebounding. I don't expect him to be a good rebounder, though. No, I don't really expect no, him to defend. And, it still frustrates me, though. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I'm going to go B plus. Just then, that's a that's a pure expectation play. Uh, I think George has been has been good. It's a very limited role, but but I think he's been good. No, I was I was actually debating an A minus, and I talked myself back to a B plus. In part, I think because he's probably just not consequential enough to get an A minus, which is not that's not our grading criteria at all. But it felt right when I was writing it down. Uh, his numbers are actually almost exactly like they were last year. 9.4 points instead of 9.2, 2.4 rebounds instead of 2.7, 41.6% from three instead of 40.3. So they're, they're pretty close, which surprised me, I think, a little bit because uh, I felt like he was having a much better year than he had last year. He but he I, is, though. He's shooting 57% on twos. And No, you know, I agree. I agree. And he, you know, he takes a couple of those a game. They're they're very slow. You, you remember those. <laughs> yes. Uh, he is, he is having a better year and he's had some monster games, but he's also been pretty consistent. I think the consistency is probably what has impressed me the most. Um, yeah, no, I think B plus might, if you're just going based off of expectations, you might be able to argue for an A minus because I think he has exceeded expectations pretty handily. He's just Mm -hmm. not relevant enough for an A minus for me. I mean, I, I expected him to make threes, though. So, like, I, yeah. I, I don't want to sell him too short. Like, I, I expected him to do pretty well in his role. I, I guess where you could say A minus is like, you kind of wondered, like, is there a chance he's not in the rotation heading yeah. into the season? Like, yeah. I, I had him in. Like, I, I kind of figured, okay, shooting, good fit with Embiid, all those things. Like, and we know he's a good regular season player. I figured he was a safer bet, but going into the season, you know, when you have the uh, the rose-colored glasses for all of these guys, and we're about to get to a couple of them, uh, you know, yeah. you, you wonder, no. maybe George is out of the rotation at some point, and, and he, he really is he has been like their sixth or seventh most important player. So There is a chance you could have, to, to your point, there is a chance that if, you know, Melton works out and Tucker works out and House works out, you could see him drop from 23 minutes per game last year to 14, 15. Like, that was, I think, in the cards. Not completely out of the rotation. He's too good of a fit with Embiid. He is way too quick quick of a trigger. He has way too much gravity to completely be out of the rotation, at least in regular season. But you could you, there was a, a thought his minutes might drop. And it's dropped a little bit from 23 to 20. But the fact that he has hung on to 20 minutes per game just shows you how well he's playing because he has earned those minutes. Uh, yeah, I mean, his trigger is so quick. Like, the way you can get that shot off is just so impressive and so, and so valuable when he's paired with Embiid. Uh, he's, he's, he's played well in his role and, for sure. and Harden too. Like, you know, yeah. when, when the yeah. Sixers go to those Harden bench units and they just say, we need to outscore the other team for four minutes, you need Niang on the court because yeah. a lot of times he's being covered by the slow power forward who can't guard Harden. They double and Harden finds him. They just play pick and pop all day with the, with them. So yep. yeah, I, I value what George has done, but again, it, it is a limited role. All right. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Dan House Jr. 4.8 points, 2.0 rebounds, 0.8 assists, shooting 47.3% from the field, uh, 33.3% from three. The Sixers are... 5.4 points per 100 possessions worse on offense when he's on the floor and 5.7 points per 100 worse on defense when he is on the floor. So here's the question. Am I being too charitable when I say D minus here? Uh, I wouldn't say you're being too charitable. To be an F, Fs are sort of like A pluses for me. Like, it has to be real extenuating circumstances for me to give it out an F, and I don't think he's quite reached that threshold. So, no, I wouldn't say – I would say you're being fair. Yeah, and I, I think it, it just boils down to maybe our expectations were a little bit too high Yeah, maybe for him. Maybe he was the worst player of all time to get tampered for. Oh. I'd have – I'd need that list in front of me. I can't imagine there's anyone – Uh, well, if you if you consider the consequences – then Joe Smith still gets that title just because of how much Minnesota lost. Yeah. But in terms of just pure, like Joe Smith was obviously a way better player than Dan House. In terms of just worst player to get any penalty, it would be hard to be beat. He just hasn't been good. And I mean, Thibel is playing over him now. Deservedly so. Deservedly so, too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really have much else to say. Like, he just is... Not really fit in well with this team. I mean, he makes me laugh when he, he shoots his step back, catch and shoot threes. He's pretty outrageous personality in the locker room, which is 
Yeah. Has nothing to do with his on-court play, but good for him, I guess. Uh, and that's all I got, really. I don't. Yeah. He just hasn't been very good. No, he's he's fun in the locker room. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Him, and, him and George are probably the two most fun guys in the locker room, I would say. Yeah. But George is no, I'm right, I'm right there playing a lot better. So. D minus. Uh, all right. Let's go. Let's finish up our two remaining wings before we get to the backup center battle. Matisse Thibel, 2.5 points, 1.1 rebounds, 0.5 assists, 0.8 steals, 0.3 blocks in 11.9 minutes, shooting 41.4% from the field, 32% from three. The Sixers are uh, 0.3 points per 100 possessions worse on offense when he's on the floor. Here's the big one, though. And 3.8 points per 100 possessions better on defense when he's on the floor. And that got hurt a lot by the OKC game, where I believe he was a minus 27. Yeah. The plus-minus king for most of the season. Um, First off, I I think the right grade for Matisse would be incomplete just because he doesn't play enough, like if you were doing it. Yeah, very few minutes. Um, If I'm going to give him a grade in, in the small amount of minutes and, you know, we are kind of poking fun at George and being honest that his role is fairly inconsequential with Matisse getting this few amount of minutes, he's very much in the same boat, probably even less consequential than George. I will go. I did not have high expectations for Matisse coming into the season. I uh, I was pretty down on him after the playoff run. I, I definitely think the plus minus noise for most of the season. I'm just not buying it. Like as, as far as an offensive player, I just, I don't see much of a difference. That said, the Sixers have been better. They play a lot of zone. So I am going to say in a very small sample size, I'm going to give him a B minus. Um, I just, I, I don't know. I, I didn't really expect a lot from him. And and the fact that they're okay in his minutes, uh, I will go that high. That doesn't reflect what I think of him as a player as much, really. I think I still have a lot of skepticism moving forward, but it's kind of where I'm at. This is funny. I think I'm going to give him a worse grade, but I think I probably like him better as a player than you. Hmm. So I will give him a C plus as a grade just because he's still on a rookie deal. At some point, you need development offensively so we can put these playability questions to bed a little bit. And this is another year, another year closer to free agency where there's been no offensive development where his entire value on offense is either forcing a turnover and getting out in transition or James Harden making magic happen. Other than that, he's pretty much unplayable on offense. And to have another year where we're saying that when he's still young enough at 25 and on a rookie deal, it's a disappointment. I can't get that disappointment out of my head. Even though I had very little expectations, the fact that he's young means you're just sort of hoping to see, be surprised every now and then. And this is another year that went by where I'm not surprised. And that disappoints me. Because I do value his defense a lot. A lot. Is he perfect? No. He's not perfect defensively. But he would be such a key piece to be ha- able to have on the floor for even 25 minutes per night. And if you could have him on the floor for 25 per night and not worry about the offense, he would be a huge, huge key piece. Do I think he's a defensive player of the year like... I feel like everyone on Sixers Twitter either believes he's the best defender in the league or should not be on a court and the defense is completely smoking mirrors with steals and blocks. I think there's room in the middle, but I do think he's a very good and valuable defender, and that's why his offense frustrates me so freaking much because I still do not believe 
you can put him on the floor against the Bucks or the Celtics and have them not completely take advantage of that. And that frustrates the hell out of me. And it frustrates the hell out of me because he should be a valuable piece of the rotation. He's just never developed on offense. So, he did not exceed expectations in any meaningful way. But the combination of Tucker and House being so frustrating and being so disappointing, the fact that his defense I do believe in, and the fact the on-off numbers say what they do, yeah, it's a real combination of just I'm very frustrated by the offense while acknowledging the defense. I don't really know how to grade that appropriately. Yeah, no, I, I think it, it's just a difference in expectation. I, I just I don't expect him to ever get better at offense. I just don't. No, you're you're right. You're right. I don't either. I just I want to be surprised so I can embrace him. To be honest, like I think I want to embrace him. Like I, I really enjoy his defense. I really enjoy the value, just the 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 fact that he can get you out in the transition. I mean, this team rarely gets out in transition. The fact that he can cause so much havoc, he can change the way a team plays. And I don't feel comfortable putting him on the floor because the dude hasn't made one step towards being a competent offensive player. It frustrates the hell. And I think when I get on Matisse, it's in part because it's like I'm I'm disappointed because I do value what he can do. Look, I agree with you. I think the defense is maybe not first team all defense level, but it's it's good. It's it's very good. And this team is dying for him I'm to dying. be playable. Yes. Dying for him to be playable. He would start if he was playable, honestly. Yeah. You might even be able to make the case that he should start now, but that's, again, in part because P.J. Tucker has been so bad. Yeah. And D'Anthony Melton is just about two inches too short. We'll see. I, I just – look, I – I would love to be surprised and he becomes playable. And he, even if it's just, he has six weeks where he just shoots the hell out of the ball. If he has November 20, what was it? 2019. Yeah. Yeah. When November like 2019%. For like a month and a half. If that happens in April and May, 2023, that would be awesome. But I, yeah, I just, I've been hurt too many times. I, I, I can't rely on that. Anymore. His rookie year, he shot for like, if you broke the, his rookie year down in thirds, he shot like 30% from three on the first third, 45% from three in the second third, and then like 30% from three in the uh, last stage. It was crazy. It's crazy. It was that brief moment where we were optimistic. All right. Moving away from the the wings, would you like to go Trez or Paul first? Let's go Trez first. All right. So Trez, we are at... I should have had that right up in front of me. Six points, 2.7 rebounds, 0.7 assists, 0.3 steals, 0.5 blocks, 59% from the field. Uh, no threes. Uh, he is, or the Sixers are, 0.5 points per 100 possessions better when he is on the floor on offense. 2.6 points per 100 possessions better on defense when he is on the floor. No, worse on defense. Yeah, worse on defense. Yeah, uh, and and the Sixers have been decent in Trez's minutes. Like they're, it's another example of me not completely buying the on-off numbers. That's been almost a theme of this Sixers season, I would say. Um, so I'm, I have it right now. Trez is 
should have this right now. They're overall 2.1 points per 100 worse when he's on the floor. Yeah, but it's a positive, though. It's it, it, Yeah, my, it's my, a, worse than their, their other minutes. It's still a, a, a positive point differential. I'm just telling you the, the one page I have up. I don't have it. Yeah, I should get this. I'm getting this up right now. Okay, they are, they are plus 2.8 on the season with Montrose Harrell. And your job as Sixers backup center is to not be minus a million. And plus 2.8 is a long way from minus a million. How much credit am I giving Tress for that? I, it's, Over the it, last two weeks, I'd give him some credit. Yeah. Before then, I'd give him almost none. It's tough because I... I, I guess I, I just... He, he is below expectations in terms of the offensive player that I thought he mm-hmm. was. I, I don't have I his, his numbers in front of me, but I, you know I've cited him a million times here and in um in my writing his finishing numbers are just it's not even close to the same guy and like he he just blows a tire every time like like shots that he would make in past years are are really hard like they're getting blocked like m- maybe he's getting fouled on them there was a play the other night i think it, it might have been against the pistons he is 8% off of his career mark at the rim yeah 65.2% this year 73.2% for his career and that's gotten better over the past couple of weeks. So maybe yep. he's he's starting to turn some things around. But man, when, when I see him like have the other team's point guard on him, shoot a, he shoots a hook shot and makes it, and then does like the rock the baby celebration. I'm just thinking like, man, dude, that's like that's not a great shot. Like I I feel like two years ago you were putting that guy into the rim for a dunk. Um, but. Like, look, he has stabilized things. I, I think the the defense is fairly fluky. Uh, you know, he does take the occasional charge, which I don't think should be charges. Uh, I am going to go, which is the a standard C for him hmm. on the year. Um, I think he could talk me into a C plus just because of the uh, just because of the on off numbers. But I, it's a case where I don't really buy it. For, no, I'm uh, fine. For, for most of the season. And I thought he was going to be a complete dominant offensive player. And like, look, I, I get that he looks like that against the Pistons, but I, I would like to see him against some awesome team once in a while, really like take over the game in a second unit with Harden. And I, I just, I haven't seen that enough uh, this season. So I'm just going to go straight C for Trez. Might be a little well, harsh. No, I, I wouldn't see minus. Uh, if, quite frankly, I flirted. If, if this would have been two weeks ago, it would have been a D, a D plus. Uh, I think the last two weeks have have pulled him up. I think he's been significantly less than we expected on offense. And when you 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 came in with the ex- expectation that he was unplayable in the in the playoffs on defense, like you expected the offense to be legitimately good. And for most of the season, it was not. Now, the last two weeks, maybe three weeks, maybe even a month, he's been. And I think that probably pretty directly t- ties. First of all, I, I agree with you. I think he's gotten a little better inside. Uh, so maybe he is building himself back up to where he needs to be. Maybe there's a another gear to go athletically. But I think a big part of that also ties to James Harden's return to the lineup and you know the fact that he's able to stagger with him and, and play. And even Max coming back, because that allows you to stagger Harden a little more aggressively. I think that's helped Trez in a big way. But still, for most of the season, most of this half of the season, he has not been the offensive impact that we expected him to be. And again, when you are a complete liability on defense, and I think for the most part he's been a liability on defense, but you know, charge here and there, surprising block here and there, but for the most part he's been a the liability we expected. 
Yeah. You have to be good on offense. And he's been good for the last two or three weeks, and that's slightly encouraging. But he's not been good uh, for most of the season. I mean, he's scoring on a per-minute rate. It's, you know, he entered the league in 2015 and 16. That 2015 and 16 season is the only year that he scored at a worse rate than this. And his true shooting is, yeah, I mean, it's the second lowest of his career as well. Um, So when you combine those two things, I, I frankly think the Sixers have the offensive talent that, like, you know, I, I get that he's not playing with with Lou Williams, who he had an unbelievable connection with in Los Angeles. But like, come on, Doc knows how to use him, and and there's you know, Shake Milton, James Harden, Tyrese yep. Maxey. There's enough you know, uh, shooting and and playmaking on this team that he should be a better offensive player. So I, I went with C, just because. I, I don't know. Maybe I am buying the on off numbers a little too much. I mean, Maybe I, right. I would say for the most part, he has been who we thought he would be. Just slightly less effective, which again I think C is a C grade is being who we expect you to be. Slightly less effective, I drop him to a C minus. I don't think okay. it's like a big condemnation from what we expected. Just a small deviation. That's fair. We okay. we 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 skipped over Furkan, um, based on what his off season fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was honestly going to go incomplete for Furkan. I feel like we've barely seen him. He is shooting 34% from three, so that is disappointing, but we are talking about sample sizes that are low enough where a good, legitimately a good game uh, could could boost those, those numbers back to where... I mean, he's, he's attempted 35 threes in the season. He's also yeah. still tricking basketball reference because th- there's no way he's not a 50% free throw shooter for his career. <laughs> I've, I've literally never seen him make both. <laughs> what, is, what, what was he shooting on the season here? Uh, he is he is shooting sixty five point five percent, again on still like, too high. I, I've never seen him make both so on, on twenty nine attempts. Uh, all right, Paul Reed. Uh, I'll read off the numbers here real quickly. Three point two points, three point four rebounds, zero point six blocks, zero point seven steals, fifty six percent from the field, and this will be our last one because we will skip over Jaden Springer. The Sixers are thirteen. Points per 100 possessions worse on offense when he's on the floor. And they are 3.4 points per 100 possessions worse on defense when he's on the floor for a overall a negative 16.3 based off of uh, their normal ratings, which is the worst on the team. As you mentioned on the last pod, he's played a lot of minutes with not the stars. And that's right. an important thing to point out when it comes to those numbers. And I do think, there have been times this year, there have been games, like that Nets game at home, these Pistons games recently, although, you know, Pistons, yeah, where he's looked like a more confident and assertive offensive player. There's also been games where he shoots like a, an eight-footer on the baseline from the dunker spot, and he shoots it about six feet. Doc and pulled him like, so quickly after that. He was gone. Yeah. And... uh so, so I don't think he's been as bad as his on-off numbers. For sure. Would For say. Sure. Like, um, that said, he hasn't been good. You know, no. And I, I think when it comes to, to Paul, I have higher expectations for him than Trez. I think, first off, I think he's got a more versatile skill set that is more has a chance to be better in the playoffs. I'll put it that way. I mean, um, we, we saw it be better last year. Yeah. He's also a younger player, too, where like you 
you think he should continue to get better. Where I know Trez is only 28, but it, <laughs> it feels it's like an he's old 28. Yeah, feels like he's on the downside of the curve for sure. Um, I'm gonna go D. Oof, oof, that is a tough one. It's I don't so much. I don't like that I I said it, but it's just like. And, and you know, like, look, like, there's been games. Like, I thought he was really good in the in the Oklahoma City game last yeah, night. It wasn't. It was. It was. Now, would would it have been better if Embiid was on the court? Yeah, I, I think so. Playing with three fouls, yeah. But like, he came into the game and did his job. And I also think this situation isn't great for him. Where, you know, if he doesn't play good, and Trez, you know, gets away with the Jedi three point defense for uh, yep for a solid month, he doesn't play. Yeah. Um. But I don't know. I I think I just expected him to seize this job, and uh, he has not done that, and he's not Certain. been the impact defender that I thought he so, would be. And again, I think this is why it's important to keep in mind what we're saying when we say D. We're basing it off of expectations. We're not saying necessarily that a C player is a better player than a D player. We're saying that one player met our expectations, and the other player did not. So I think when you put it in that context, and I think I think Paul Reed is a certainly as a playoff performer has a better chance. I think what Paul Reed gave you last year, what Paul Reed gave you last year in the playoffs is far above what I expect Trez to give you in the playoffs. Pretty much for my whole basis for why he should play. But that's not what we're grading here. We're grading based on expectations. And I think a D is fair. I might go D plus. After a good game, I might I mean the Thunder game might be in my mind. You could even almost talk me into a C minus, but I think that might be part based off what I want Paul Reed to be. (laughs) So, so I just wonder in this NBA where, you know, a lot of teams play five out and play these, this delay offense. He's terrible at that. Like he's just never going to be good at that. Just not a fluid enough decision maker. Now, is that the only way you can play NBA offense? No, but also, like, he's not Tyson Chandler. He's not going to be like, all right, we're going to run Clint Capello. We're going to run, you know, 50 pick and rolls a game with you jumping up and being a lob threat at all times either, too. So I just I kind of find myself asking, like, what what he's is the offensive fit? Yeah, no, um, for sure. And I, and I, say and I that, give him credit because, like, early in his career, he thought he was going to be like he he was way out of control on offense. Now he's only occasionally out of control. Like, he's definitely dialed that back. But there's still a very real fit issue. Like his jumper is nowhere near usable in the NBA. You can't use him as a pick and, and pop threat. He's not a he's a pretty good dive guy, but like you said, you're not gonna feature him in an offense diving to the rim. It's, uh, and in terms of decision making, it's definitely a question mark. He he's a he's a good finisher, but it, I always find it it seems hard, right? It seems like disjointed. So when he does make a nice finish, you're like, it kind of stands out in a way that probably yeah. it shouldn't stand out, you know? Um Anyway, I, I, I'll close by saying this. I've been disappointed with him this year. Uh, if P.J. Tucker is not usable at center, and if Trez is the other option, I would like him to be – I would like to give if, – if I'm Doc, I think you have to give him every chance to win that job yeah. by the time the playoffs are, just because I just do not trust Trez's defense in the playoffs. And I trust Paul's defense, so I don't. Yeah. I don't trust it, but I believe in it more. Right. So, yeah, you know that that's kind of where I'm at with it. But it just 
yeah, what what is he offensively? And that's uh, I, I find myself. Uh, it's really through no fault of his own because he, he really has dialed his game back in some ways. He's kind of gotten rid of the, the gunner impulses. You know, he's not playing like he's at Delaware anymore. Yeah. But it also, it hasn't fit into the puzzle as well as you would hope. Yeah. No, I like, I, I definitely think part of my disappointment comes from the fact that I really wanted him to take the opportunity he had and sort of squash that backup center debate and, and, prevent Doc from going to his instincts, which is to revert to Trez. And he didn't play well enough for that to happen. I do still think that he is the one player who can perform, has a chance of holding up in the playoffs. So I would still like to see them let him play through his mistakes. But that's also part of why his disappointing play is is so frustrating because you really just wanted him to take the opportunity to run. Uh, I think uh, I think being disappointed in Paul Reed's season is fair. I think it's also still fair to, frankly, be disappointed in, in 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 Doc for not seeing the I think pretty obvious limitations that are going to be unplayable in, in in the playoffs. In Trez's case, it's uh, I think you can be disappointed all around. Which brings us to the final person on our list: head coach Doc Rivers. Oh man! <laughs> you thought you were going to get away without grading Doc? Come on, man. Uh, you know how the content machine works. B minus. Okay, that's fair. What if you're grading it just on what has happened in the and look, we can go over individual decisions that we could all nitpick, and certainly there are a lot that we would disagree on. But when you look at a team that missed a month and a half of Harden, or was it a month? A month of Harden. Month and, month and a half, and of, a half Maxie. of Maxie. Three uh, weeks of Joel, too. Three weeks of Joel. And they're 25 and 16, and I think two games back from the two seed. You would have to say he has met expectations. You could also very, I think, make a very strong case that, okay, that's fine. That doesn't mean I believe in him in the playoffs. I'm kind of there with you. Uh, I think there are pretty legitimate question marks about what he's going to do when the games actually matter. Uh, we've seen him win a lot of games. We saw him get the number one seed. This is not the part of the season we have questions about. But just based on the 41 games that have happened, again, while acknowledging that there are certainly things he does that I don't agree with, they have exceeded expectations. But he's also an NBA coach. There's going to be things you disagree with. He 100%, makes a, a million little decisions. Yep. Okay. Yep. That's all. That being said, and this is something we talked about here in the last podcast, a lot of... What we just said, getting through injuries, getting through adversities, being close to the top of the East, that all is about the change. Because you did that with a really easy schedule. Like you said, they played 41 games. There are teams that have played 44, 45. So you've had a pretty spread out schedule. I think second easiest strength of schedule so far in the league. Yep. Remaining schedule is the toughest. You're going to play more games than almost every team. And it's road heavy too. And it's... 100%. So it's great that you can sit here and say we're 25 and 16. It's great that you can say we have the top four defense. But you're going to have to lean on more than that. You're going to have actually have to execute here down the stretch here because we, you're not going to have the top five defense if you keep playing this way. You're not going to be close to the second seed in the East if you don't start playing better. 
we will learn way more about Doc Rivers, even acknowledging the fact that they did get through adversity. And we will learn, quite frankly, way more about this team over the next 41 games. Because the schedule, assuming there's not weird March shit, and there very well could be, because that's the way that the NBA works. But I almost hope that there aren't, because I think this team needs to be tested. Because I do think right now they're resting on that record, resting on the top five defense. I, I, I hope they're tested, just because I want to see where they stand. Uh, and and that goes for the coach too. Well, and, and I factored that in to my uh, to my B minus because I think if you looked at the record and you looked at all the the absences, yeah. I, I think he probably like against a tough schedule would deserve a better grade than that. I think I think Danny Larue had him in his coach of the year running, and he's like I don't believe him in the playoffs, but based on what happens, he's been a he's done a really good job. And I think that I think what you just said is is a key part of that though. Like he's done a good job, but. The schedule gets real. Well, and I'll also, you know, you touch on this, but this is also factored into my grade. Uh, I think he's okay in the regular season. You know, I, yeah. I get that. Always has been. Get that, uh, you know, you get the DeAndre fiasco at times, and that's uh, that's annoying. But uh, I don't know. I, I think he gets you in a, in a decent playoff position usually, and then that's when it becomes uh, scarier. Now, I mean, like, look, this year has been crazy for him. Not not for him, because I don't know how much of it he listens to. Maybe he listens to some of it. It's been crazy following the discourse on him. I mean, God, after every game, it's just... Well, we know he's not completely off of Twitter. No. <laughs> no. no. Did you ask Pop that question? You didn't ask a question there. You just made an no, observation. No, I, I just I, I have various buttons. So, so B minus. But yeah, it's, it's going to get harder. And you know what's weird? Like... It's B minus, but you only have about twenty five percent of the grade in. Yeah, and it's weird that like the question now is, can you fit this team together when they have all their guys? It's almost yeah, it's almost yeah. easier when you have Melton and you're playing. You know, Maxie's out, and you have Melton just slide in the lineup, and you're playing a bad schedule. Okay, you got enough talent to win those games. How'd you phrase it a month ago? Doc is a ten seed, beats beats Doc, coaching a two seed every time. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. He's gonna have the two seed now, but he's he's playing against a. Uh, a tougher schedule. So yeah, B minus, but we will see moving forward. I agree. Forward. And I have a, I have a, a feeling that last grade might piss a lot of people off, but either we're way. We're just talking about the 41 games that have happened. All right. I think that's pretty good here. Ended up being an hour and a half podcast. I expect this one to run a little longer. So Rich, thank you for jumping on. Enjoy your road trip and we will talk to you soon. See you, man.